0: Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We have an exciting show ahead of us. I hope everybody out there is doing great. I'm doing fantastic myself. I had a very amazing day and I'm excited to share it with you guys. It, you know, kind of has to do with the podcast kind of doesn't, but I'm going to make it about the podcast. I on this very day signed the papers and pulled home my very first very own boat. That is right. My wife and I, uh, we recently paid off her car, had a little money sitting around. She's been begging me for a ski boat since we got married. I have been wanting a fishing boat. And so we joined forces and we just bought our first very own brand new fishing ski. And so it's one of those things. I wouldn't say it's perfect for either, but it's good for both. And Both of us are happy with it, and so, man, I I am super excited. I've been wanting a fishing boat for years. I'd kind of made my mind up to buy a John boat this year, and then, like I said, the wife and I got to talking, we did a little research, and fairly quickly decided to make this very large financial decision to buy this boat, and so I'm excited for it obviously just to enjoy myself, but I'm also excited to bring you guys along on my fishing journeys. Um, man, yeah, definitely going to be a lot more fishing content coming up now that I got this thing, you know, we had the crappie guide on and again, that was super selfish because I've been wanting to get into crappie fishing. Now I have a perfect crappie boat. Um, yeah, lots more fishing coming up this spring and summer. Uh, you guys are going to get to learn with me, uh, from me, most probably, probably mostly from my mistakes. Um, but yeah, the boat is in the garage; it fits in the garage, which is awesome. I don't have to pay to store it anywhere. That was a big turning point in the conversation. So yeah, putting it out here on the podcast: John's got a boat, so more of that coming soon. Back to today. Today I'm talking to one of my very best friends. His name is Nathan Jasper, aka Jasper. I met Jasper in college. We were actually in the same fraternity. And we, it's kind of funny, we barely knew who each other were uh, the first year I was in school. He was uh, one or two grades ahead of me, barely knew who each other were. Um, and then the next year, uh, after my freshman year, I stayed up in Idaho. And was a wildland firefighter um, trying to get my residency up there for school, for cheaper tuition. And um, so I didn't get to hunt at all my freshman year because I couldn't afford all the out-of-state prices. But uh, after I got my residency, I got to start hunting my sophomore year uh, as a resident. And so me and Jasper kind of started like, oh, you hunt, I hunt, you hunt, I hunt. And man, that has butted into an amazing relationship that we have. Uh, We hunted together all through college. Even after he graduated, we would usually meet up a couple times a year and hunt. After we graduated, um, I bought a lifetime license before I moved back down, so I get to hunt as a resident in Idaho. And so uh, I've gone up there, I don't know, three or four times since I graduated and hunted with him, and it's great having that inside guy. You know, he does a lot of the scouting stuff for me. And then in return, I've started letting him come down and deer hunt um at our place in Oklahoma. So we try to do kind of a every other year thing. So I'll go up to Idaho one year, he'll come down to Oklahoma one year. It's gotten a little more complicated as we've gotten older. Uh he has a kid. Uh one year we were supposed to go up there and two actually two yeah, two of the three guys that were supposed to come with me had kids, so we had to put it off another year. So it hasn't quite worked out to every other year, but we've done pretty good. Um, The last time he came down, he brought his dad and one of his dad's best friends, who was kind of a hunting mentor, and and we get into all this, but kind of the gist of this podcast is basically the difference between hunting west and east. Um, Not that Oklahoma's super far east, but, you know, it's definitely not the west, so, um, you know, I talk about making the transition out west after hunting private land Oklahoma uh, growing up. And just how crazy it was to have all this public land to hunt, the challenges that come along with that. Um, Jasper from a much more, you know, he grew up with that type of thing. So he talks about growing up and how he hunts and how he still hunts. And then after that, we kind of flip the script and we talk about him coming down And, you know, what it's like to sit in a blind over a food plot and have critters come to you instead of trying to find them in the middle of the mountains. So it's just a great conversation. We talk about hogs a little bit at the end because, you know, that's something that uh, obviously was new to him. And that's actually what he started coming down for, he started coming down to to hog hunt and I guess it was probably my fault because I was selfish with my deer, but I've gotten over that a little bit as I've gotten older. So anyway, I don't want to take up too much of our time. We have a great talk. Uh, It's a little bit all over the place just because that's how we are. Um, Jasper does have a few technical difficulties and so I'm I'm sorry the audio quality is, you know, not quite uh, superb, but, uh, you know, overall it's not bad and so, if you hear some, you know, awkward transitions or something that's probably cuz we stopped recording to try to figure something out and started back up. So, so as always, bear with me. You know, I'm still learning. I feel like I'm doing this more, but you know, we're not even in episode 10 yet and so still working out some kinks and and you know, it's very hard when I have a guest come on cuz you know, I I can't control that obviously. So, so I appreciate you guys bearing with me. I hope you're excited for this episode because I am. So here's my interview with my good buddy Nathan Jasper. Hey everybody, welcome to the conversation. Today we have my good old buddy Nate Jasper, aka Jasper. How you doing today, Jasper?
1: Howdy. Doing great, man. Thanks for having
0: me on. Oh man, I'm glad you're here. Uh you know, a few weeks ago we we released the Elk Hunting uh podcast and you got cut out of that one because you were still there hunting, and so I'm glad you got to come back on and kind of redeem yourself and let everybody hear your beautiful voice.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was a little disappointed about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Y'all took the time to do it in the car and right on the way home, but I guess that's the way to do it, really, so we were focused on the hunt out there.
0: Yeah. Well, lesson learned. Next time, we need to chip away a little time. <laughs> do it, do it while, you, uh, while you can be there, too. And don't also, worry, worry, man. that car noise was pretty bad, too, so I learned that lesson the hard way also. but. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, before we jump into this, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So, yeah, um,
1: I was born and raised up here in Idaho and currently living in Twin Falls. Uh, went, went to school at the University of Idaho where I met John. We uh, connected right away with our mutual love of honey. And we've been going on uh, for a while now, jumping back and forth. Uh, he'll take me down to Oklahoma, and we'll go down there and hunt uh, Deer, pigs—you name it—and uh, he'll come up here, and we'll chase elk around, and it's—it's it's been great.
0: Yeah, it's a nice little uh, arrangement we got, and, uh, and yeah, it all—it all started with hunting, really. Uh, we went to the same school; we're actually in the same fraternity, and uh, we really didn't know each other that well when I was a freshman. You were a class or two ahead of me, um, but it was sophomore year that we really got into it. That was the first year uh, I could afford/slash was legal to hunt in Idaho. Um, I could have done it my freshman year. I just couldn't afford all the out-of-state stuff. Uh, but sophomore year, uh, we started hunting together, started elk hunting and just built this nice relationship and, That's uh, right. and it's still going. So, uh, but anyway, for all uh you viewers out there, basically what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take turns. And first we're going to talk about Idaho and kind of how people hunt up there. We're going to talk about my transition from, you know, the Texas, Oklahoma area to Idaho and that big transition, and then we're going to flip it around, and since Jasper's been down here several times, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that, and he came to my place and got to experience, you know, the private land, whitetail hunting and, and hog hunting and all that good stuff, so so to start things off, um, and we're going to try to stay somewhat focused on whitetail, if some elk stuff gets thrown in there, then, you know, that's okay, but um, Jasper, why don't you start us off with just kind of how you grew up deer hunting and kind of the areas that you hunted growing up.
1: Sure, sure. So I think when most people uh, think of Idaho, they think about going out west, and it's it's a mule deer destination when you're talking about deer. But uh, I grew up in northern Idaho, uh, Lewiston to be specific, and hunting in that area is almost exclusively whitetail. Um, so I grew up uh, hunting the really thick timbered, woods just still hunting for whitetails that's kind of where I cut my teeth in hunting and how I learned to hunt um grew up in a hunting family so strong hunting tradition in my family so my dad and uh my uncles would take me out and uh got me introduced into whitetail hunting is where I really kind of learned and uh yeah
0: yep and I remember being so disappointed I think I've expressed this on the podcast before (laughs) I, I get up there and I'm talking to everybody about hunting and, of course, I'm excited to hunt, you know, mule deer and elk and bear and all that. And I found out once I got there that I landed myself, like, smack dab in the middle of Whitetail Central. And so <laughs> even though I went up there to hunt mule deer, uh, I still had to travel to, to hunt them because there weren't anywhere around where I right. we went to school. And so – Right. Um, and you talked about being right. from a, a hunting family. Y'all had a little cabin out in the mountains and stuff. And uh, tell us about your little hunt camp tradition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh... We had an old shack that we'd kind of go into and that they'd set it up years ago. Uh, My dad's hunting buddy, we'd go out there and kind of four-wheeler into this place and uh, go spend a week or two back there and just kind of have the woods to ourselves, which was great. And, uh, yeah, chase elk and deer around and just enjoy the peace and quiet out there. Mm -hmm.
0: And so for me going up there, uh, the biggest difference, obviously, is – private versus public land. And so for me, uh, growing up where I grew up, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'd ever stepped foot on public land other than, you know, a lake, uh, you know, skiing and fishing and stuff. Um, but I had never, definitely never deer hunted on public land or basically any type of hunting on public land. And so for me going up there, it was, it was just shock and awe. And, You know, at this time, Onyx wasn't a popular thing. I think it had been invented, but it was like a desktop only type thing. You know, you couldn't have it on your phone. Right. Right. And so for me, like, even though I would drive around and see these big signs for national forest or, you know, state land or whatever, like I, I could not bring myself to step foot into those woods unless somebody told, like told me a specific spot. Like if I went some, you know, (laughs) if I went with you or somebody else and they took me to a trailhead and we went in there and hunt, like, I would only go back to that specific trailhead and hunt where we had hunted because I just couldn't get through that barrier of being able <laughs> to just pull over on the side of the road and start hunting. Um, uh, so that was a big thing. And you really helped me get over that. Uh, I remember, uh, we actually, it was after you had graduated. I was still in school and we met in the middle and, uh, we actually did, we're chasing mule deer this time. And, uh, I, I want to say it was opening weekend and we show up at this trailhead and there was like, thirty trucks there and so we That's both right. kind of, we right. both kinda of decided, you know, forget this. And so, you know, that was our only game plan. So we just kinda of, we took off driving down the road and just like out of nowhere, you just pull over on the side of the road and we're like, Alright, this looks good. And I'm just like, what looks good? <laughs> like there were no trailhead or anything. You're like this and just point it up. That's and, right. just and go up. Yeah, and these are like these are not little <laughs> these are not hills. These are very, very steep uh, mountains. We're talking around, like, you know, Snake River Breaks, Salmon River Breaks. I don't remember what river we were on that time, but really, <laughs> really high. <laughs> and uh, uh, But that was kind of my first uh, experience of just going to some random piece of public land and taking off.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember that, too. And, like, looking back on that hunt, we did so many things just wrong and just silly and just <laughs> – just, we got up there and we we started using our our optics and spotted deer way off at the top and just went straight after them.
0: <laughs> after we had already gone straight up a long way, we just kept yeah. going straight up.
1: Basically, just killed ourselves trying to get up there and mm-hmm. and all for just a, a group of does which were weren't legal at the time. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: in a in a buck only unit, we ended yeah. up with eight does and uh, I never got in range. I think you left me in the dust and got up there to them, but uh, but you yeah, had no bucks in sight. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so kind of circling around to, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just white tails, but, uh, talk about, and it doesn't have to be when you grow, you can kind of pick the time frame, white, uh, sorry, younger or college or after college. Um, let's say you're just, you, you know, you're by yourself or with a buddy and you're going to go deer hunting. Uh, give us a quick little rundown of kind of what you're looking for, where you're going and how you're going to go about that.
1: Okay. So, well, anymore, again, it's all about Onyx and Google Earth and just doing your e scouting there, uh, breaking it up into units. As Idaho's broken down up into, I, I want to say it's like a hundred and seventeen, hundred and twenty, something like that units you can break it into and, uh, you know, just kind of knowing your area and just, you can, you can get on there from there and kind of break it down to where you want to go. And again, a lot of times, like, just like we were doing, is just uh, knowing you're in a, in A public land area, and uh, just getting out there and and exploring, getting out there and finding the trail, and getting off the trail, and just getting up high and using your glass, looking around, and then uh, spotting stock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I like, circling kind of back to whitetail. It's it's different up where you know I grew up, where it's that thick, where your your kind of strategy is almost just kind of picking uh, clear cuts and logging roads, and just hiking, just kind of still hunting through there and going really slow, taking your time. And, uh, you know, kind of seeing what you see.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, again, just the way I grew up hunting, you know, I basically grew up sitting in a blind or in a ground blind or, you know, against a tree behind some brush or something. And we were all about letting the deer come to us. And so I went to Idaho basically trying to take that same strategy. And so, you know, I'd find one of these logging roads or something, and I'd basically walk it until I found, you know, they're equivalent of a food plot, just an opening. And nine times out of 10, I did end up just sitting down and waiting. And usually I was not getting there at the brink of dawn. You know, I was leaving the truck uh, at first light, walking for an hour or two. And so, you know, by the time I found a spot to hunt, it was usually kind of past prime movement. Um, and their season, uh, well, the whitetail season is a little different, but I, I always had the, uh, general tag, which lets you hunt whitetail or mule deer. Cause again, I right. wasn't, I wasn't super interested in whitetail up there. I was trying to go for a mule deer. So with that tag basically limited you from, I believe October 10th to October 30th. And so again, not, not really your prime time whitetail hunting to begin with. Um Right. Tough and, time to hunt. Yeah. And you know, looking back on it now, like I limited myself so much because I was, not set up on those potentially good spots when the deer would really be moving. And I was basically sitting there midday when there was a very low likelihood of them coming through and I wasn't moving around. I, you know, there was no chance of me jumping something or stumbling upon something. And and I also learned, you know, with those mountains, like you can never see as far as you want to see. There's always, (laughs) there's always a ledge, you know, like you sit there and you think you're going to be able to see, you know, several hundred yards down the mountain or whatever. And it just never works out like that, and, right. and even if there's a clear cut, you know, you 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 find it on the map or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, I can see forever. But then every time when you get there, it's either grown up in you know twelve foot tall pines that you just can't see into, or if it is still kind of a clear cut you just, it, it seems like you can never get the right angle to, you know, it's always wrapping around and all you can see is 50 yards in front of you and 50 yards below you. And then you're like, Oh, well, if I, you know, you, you see a point you're like, Oh, well, if I can get to that point, obviously I can see more. So you hike to that point and it's the same thing. Like You can see 50 yards around the corner. You can see 50 yards down. Um, so just, right. man, it, it was a, a very, very tough adjustment for me. Uh, and and I definitely can't imagine bow hunting in that situation. Uh, I, I did yeah. bow hunt for elk up there, but I never tried uh, deer hunting with a bow. And for those of you, if it, there's anybody out there who can get it done with a bow up there, man, my hat is off to you absolutely. So yeah, mm-hmm. and I
1: still think I, th- I think your your strategy it, it still can pay off mm-hmm. if you wanted to find a, a a great spot and put in the time to find it to mm-hmm. sit there. Mm -hmm. and watch somebody's faces, but yeah, you're right, like you said, it's so hard to find a spot that you can actually have that visibility, and be able to cover that much country, Mm -hmm. so it seems like growing up, I was putting in miles, and miles, and miles of just hiking, and walking, and still hunting, you know, even to just have an opportunity Mm -hmm. at deer, and it's, it's, yeah, it's tough hunting up there.
0: Yeah, and I definitely, I didn't, uh, I didn't appreciate, well, it was, it was a mixture. I didn't know about or appreciate glassing at this time. And I also couldn't afford, you know, nice glass. Sure. And so again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like I would have had much better success having some glass sitting back further away or across the draw and glassing instead of just trying to sit there and hope that something, you know, wandered yeah. by me. So.
1: Yeah. I was kind of in the same boat in college as being a poor college kid. You know, He'd- you scrap together what binoculars you you have but they're they're never anything good that and on x man i wish Onyx if mm. if i've got that in college man i i go and look at now and it's like man there's so many little pockets of these little those little public land places you can find out there mm-hmm. that i had no clue about at the time that mm-hmm. just makes me want to go explore now
0: yeah yeah and i so i i mean i completely agree with that for me it was almost the opposite like I was used to down here where it was private land and you knew your boundaries. And so whether it was, you know, you had 40 acres or a thousand acres, I never got overwhelmed or underwhelmed because I was like, I knew that I could hunt this piece and only this piece. Um, And when I went up there, you know, all of a sudden I had 30,000 acres to hunt. Yeah. And <laughs> one, like I said, I was always nervous about where the boundaries were. I, I, I definitely never covered that whole thirty thousand acres. But I also never did the opposite. Like, I, I never picked, you know, this five hundred acres or whatever, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna focus on this five hundred and figure out the deer in this section. I never did that either because I was like, oh well, I have all this land, you know, I need to, I need to right. go scope it out, right? So, but. But yeah, I think we learned a lot from each other up there, which is good. Um, we definitely, sure. I think we found a happy medium because you were so used to like basically walking all day long and I was so used to sitting all day long that we a lot of times kind of met in the middle. Like, you obviously pushed me more than I pushed you. Um, but you know I, I think, don't know if that's true, man.
1: I, <laughs> I think I, I took a lot of, you know, just patience and using that you know using your eyes a lot more than your feet i had to mm-hmm. learn that lesson mm-hmm. and and you certainly helped in that regard
0: yeah well i appreciate that <laughs> but but yeah i uh again that's like... the
1: only one that's the only one you get this this episode so <laughs> you know don't don't take it for granted the rest is just going to be me me heckling you
0: all right all right i can handle that <laughs> um but one thing i definitely did learn from you is uh And this kind of relates more to elk than deer, I would say, Um, unless, you know, like I said, now with Onyx and glassing, you know, spotting a deer off, uh, I definitely say that kind of relates to this. But, like, if we saw or spotted or heard, uh, you know, a deer, uh, elk, whatever, a long way away, you know, be it, you know, across the, the, you know, the next mountain, across the draw, whatever, I would hear that or see that and be like, oh, well, that's cool. (laughs) And like, it never would enter my mind to like, go after that animal because it was so far away. (laughs) And that's something, you know, again, kind of elk hunting together so much, like, man, like, I I bet you there were several elk that I could have killed if I just would have tried. But like, to me, it's like, well, I mean... Not going to walk over there, but that's something I learned from you. Like you, you, you would hear a bugle or you, we would see some deer across the draw and you'd just be like, all right, let's figure out how to get over there. And I would just look at you like, you're crazy. Like we're not going over there. <laughs> um, but every time I was surprised at not, I'm not necessarily going to say how easy it was to get there because sometimes it wasn't, but, but you could get there. And a lot of times it didn't take near as long as, as I expected. You know, it may take two or three hours. Um, but you could get there and you know right sometimes you could find that critter over there so
1: that's kind of my mindset I guess once you got them located well, half the battle's done so
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you have a you know you have game and play mm-hmm. go make your go make your play on it see what happens
0: yeah uh, so I think I kind of know the answer to this next question but asking this for the viewers yeah shoot um so when you're out there hunting do you have any kind of like pattern you're trying to follow and that could be like are you trying to walk on a certain side of the hill in the morning versus the evening are you trying to walk for a certain amount of time sit for a certain amount of time anything like that or is it more situational just kind of again like kind of going back to what i said earlier like just kind of walk us through like a morning hunt for you
1: okay um, i guess it really kind of depends on i guess what i'm after um if I know an area where the, where they're going to be, and I suspect they're going to be there, like, well, I'm kind of thinking of elk right now. Um, I'll try to hike up and get high in the morning. So I'll be, have a, have a glassing spot and be able to see that. I guess this works for mule deer and whitetail as well from where I'm at, but yeah, try to gain elevation quick in the morning while it's still dark, get up high, get into a glassing spot, and then use your optics to, to find an animal. And from there, make your stock um, while being conscious of the wind. And if you you have an idea where things are going to be, and you, you know they're going to be in there, then you you do kind of take that into consideration. Like if I have a particular spot that I know uh, animals have been going to, I'll I'll kind of make a game plan that's going to put me in the best position to have a shot. Does that kind of answer what you're looking for?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and just to change things up a little bit. Uh, that's, that's a great answer. Um, let's say you're going to still hunt, uh, like you talked about earlier through the thick stuff. Um, you know, are you trying to, do you have like a set distance in your mind? You're trying to walk before you stop and listen. Are you taking it slow the whole way? Are you leaving the truck trying to get to a certain point and then be quiet? Or are you kind of starting that from the truck? Uh, walk us through a still hunt.
1: Okay, sure. So let's say real typical North Idaho, my style, still hunt, whitetail. Um, go park the car, still dark out, get out, get everything ready. And uh, yeah, I say the hunt starts as soon as I leave the truck. So I'm I'm usually going, I, I kind of do set a pace, like depending on what the light's like or what I think the deer are moving like, I'll set maybe 10 steps and then I'll wait 10 seconds and just do a 360 scan, look at everything. And then if it's starting to good, I'm going to slow down my pace even further. Maybe I'll do two or three steps through the thick, thick stuff. You're watching each and every step. You're not snapping any twigs. You're making as little noise as possible. And the whole game is to use your eyes and you find them before they find you. And it's a tough battle. So you have to be really patient and really slow. To the point, it hurts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, you're just going along. If you if you have a trail that's good, that's great. Uh deer trail, like a game trail, is even more preferable, uh, typically. Get on that because you know they're going to be using it. And just still hunt through that and see what you see.
0: hmm And I think it's cool that y'all won't even attempt it because, uh, you know, I, I've used the excuse myself and I hear the excuse all the time of you can't do that here. And, you know, I'm talking specifically like in, in Oklahoma just with our vegetation and terrain like you hear people all the time that you can't stock up on deer you know you can't slow uh, either the brush is too thick there's too many leaves too rocky whatever um but like after seeing people do it up in the mountains you it's totally doable anywhere you know if anything the mountains are more challenging uh rocks uh I will say there's not as much underbrush up there. That does give you, you know, one advantage, just being able to see stuff further away. Um, but it's doable anywhere if you put the effort into it and really know what you're doing. And you know what it really comes down to is just patience. You know, like we right. talked about, Right. so slow that it hurts. Um, right. So yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, I know we're and a little... again
1: that I mean that 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 strategy. It's valid, but I mean, if you, it, it makes sense that it wouldn't be used in like, you're sitting on a 40 acre parcel mm-hmm. and your whole goal is, I mean, you can't have any risk of blowing them out of there. Because right. as long as you're moving, you're going to have risk of them smelling you or you're blowing them out of there, you're leaving your scent around. I mean, it, I totally get it. Like, coming down, like when I came down to Oklahoma and just kind of seeing how things work down there, it makes, you know, sense, you know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. That's true. Very good point.
1: But still a great tool to
0: have in
1: your, you know, in your, in your bag. Cause it's, if, if you see something that's out there and you want to give it a try, I mean, give it a go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I know we're a little bit all over the map here. Um, but another thing that I struggled with up there and I, I don't know ow, if I, who, sorry, I had some random feedback there. Um, I still don't know if I got a hold of it until really till I moved back and started hearing about it on podcasts and stuff. But, uh, Thermals. Uh, give us a little rundown about thermals and how they work. Okay.
1: Uh, so I, get, I hate to be the expert here because uh, I just know that uh, your, your thermals are going to be basically your wind patterns that are going to happen uh, uh, as the as you're uh, starting to warm up, you know, the higher air in the morning. You're going to have uh, thermals that are going to start coming downhill in the morning, and as it warms up, they'll start pushing up as the air warms up down below, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining this <laughs> well yeah. at all Yeah. or even right, but yeah, <laughs> your, therm- your thermals are just basically the wind patterns that are going to happen because of temperature.
0: Right, all right. Gotcha. Uh, I'm thinking of an instance that uh, me and you were elk hunting, and we did uh, what we called the death hike, which was – Straight up from the road again kind of came over and, uh, we had a, a bull bugling down below us and, uh, we kind of spread out. We were probably 40, 50 yards apart, slowly m- making our way down the hill and we got within, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about yet. Well, I, I, I know exactly. What you're <laughs> I figured about. you I, did. I can fix it. Yeah. uh we had a herd of elk down below us at a wallow yeah. and there we were, were walking and splash around down yeah, there. Yeah. There were two or three bulls down there. Uh, one, one pretty good bull and some satellite bulls and yeah, going to town in this wallow. And we got to a point where, like I said, we were probably 75 to a hundred yards away. Again, me and him were about 40 yards apart and we're both kind of sitting there looking at each other like what now? Because it was, it was pretty much wide open down to them. And so we're both kind of looking at each other, not sure what to do, um, and all of a sudden we hear like, a or not here, we feel a little bit of wind on our neck and just freight train out of there. I mean, all yeah. <laughs> like, and it wasn't like one tried it off and then another, like, I mean, all at once, these elk just turn and run. And, uh and it was the thermal switching, yep. uh, you know, it was, uh, later in the day and, uh, we basically didn't make our move early enough, um, and yeah they caught us and, and i remember walking together and we were talking about how close we were and then we we look and so we see the whole herd topping the next mountain over still at a dead run and into the next drainage and uh <laughs> yeah that was that was not a fun talk about
1: disheartening right oh
0: man after that stupid stupid hike <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so but uh all right well uh before we switch gears to oklahoma uh, anything we missed? Anything that you can think of? Any, any, thing you remember about me being dumb coming up there and not knowing what I was doing?
1: Um, we covered a lot. I remember the other day you said you on one of your podcasts you you were lying to your viewers. You said you hadn't taken a mule deer yet, but I know that's a lie because Is... I was there one time when you shot a mule deer doe, and we had to pack its <laughs> carcass I like. Think...
0: I think that was Five a white. Five miles in I think... <laughs> the rain
1: in the beat up cooler, and we're. Uh, oh my gosh.
0: I thought that was a whitetail. Was that a mule deer? I'm pretty sure it was a mule deer. It might have been.
1: I think it was a mule deer. There were both yeah. in that area where that, we were
0: at. Yeah. That was technically my first pack out, and we did not have Is it Is that in a... right? Yeah. Uh,. Yeah, that was—I can't remember what year that was—but yeah, that Makes was me. Glad I was there for that. Yeah, I know, year. and we—we we technically didn't even pack it out. We, it was more of like a, a cooler drag. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah. we we we. Up, uh, you had a, a like a big family sized tent that came in yeah. like a roller bag, and we threw that deer in the roller bag and got it back <laughs> to camp where we had a big cooler. And we cut it up and put it in the cooler, and then we each grabbed a handle of the cooler and carried it out. Uh, I think that was two and a half miles uh, from camp, and uh, yeah, that was absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my first ever pack out.
1: That was good. That mm-hmm. was. Uh, I still have that tent. It's the bottom of it's like <laughs> the tent bags all ripped up and shredded. I imagine. Just,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I don't think I'll get rid of it. It's, a, it's a great little memento of that. That mm-hmm. moment.
0: It is. It is. Oh, man, that was a good time. All oh, right. another thing I wanted to bring up before I forget,
1: um, I really enjoyed last week's podcast on the hog hunting tips. Oh, by the way, good. But good. you left out uh, another style that we used to uh, hunt them down there once. Oh yeah. Which was which was doing a. Uh, uh, oh. Oh,
0: right. a push. A push. Yeah. I, I you're know. Right. You're, yeah. We did you're drive. right. We did. We did. Yeah, mean, I was and, pretty proud of that. I came up with that idea. You and did. it worked. It did. Like some miracle, it worked. It did. A couple of these guys came down one spring break, and uh, we had a, a thick patch next to a, a swamp that they had recently cleared. And uh, me and two of my high school buddies were up there, and then it was you and a couple of our college buddies. And me and my uh, old high school buddies made a push through the timber and, and pushed a pig out to you guys, and y'all hammered it. So that's right. You're right. You're right and uh that's another technique that's used up here very often i mean
1: using those clear cuts and knowing where the deer travel if you have people and the numbers to do it it's a great tactic that works up here as well doing a deer Mm -hmm. drive
0: yeah yeah
1: i could see that real well in oklahoma as well
0: yeah yeah and the nice thing about it there is y'all definitely have the, the elevation to make it work too you know you can get a get some shooters with some elevation looking down exactly all right, we're gonna make a nice hard transition here, and we're gonna flip the script. And uh, you've come down to Oklahoma, man. I don't know how many times you've been down here. Uh, I'm losing
1: track too. Probably four, four, five.
0: I, I don't say four or five. I think two to deer hunt. The rest were all hog trips. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're gonna switch gears to that. So, uh, if you can kind of push out the trips of when you've actually been here. Uh, when you came down to deer hunt for the first time, um, what were you expecting, I guess?
1: So growing up, you know, that's all you see on, on like the outdoor channel was these hunts of them sitting and watching these giant bucks walk out. So that's, that's what I grew up like in my mind was, are going to sit in a blind and there's going to be deer everywhere and they're going to run around and we're just going to watch a lot of deer and, and find a shooter buck, giant buck and, uh, ham room. Mm-hmm. so I was I was stoked
0: <laughs> good good and my concern for you coming down was one that we'd be able to you know get you on a good deer and two I was concerned I was not going to be able to get you to sit still <laughs> because we <laughs> we had That's hunted fair, cause, yeah
1: like if if I sat more than an hour while hunting I mean that just seemed like wasteful like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> growing up mm-hmm. so so yeah it was definitely a sharp transition but if I was seeing deer, hey, I was entertained. As right. long as I'm as long as they're coming by, I'm good to go. Mhm.
0: Mhm. And uh if I remember right, I think it timed out pretty perfect. You came down for rifle season, which uh, you know, the week of Thanksgiving, and uh, picked you up from the airport. I think you I'm pretty sure you flew in on Friday, the day before, uh, headed out to the ranch and uh uh I I think I was I'm pretty sure I had some trail cameras already pulled that I'd pulled and was showing you some pictures and what was that like? I mean, was that was that cool and fun for you? Was it weird? Did you feel like you were shopping? Uh, what was it like, you know, pre-hunt? No, it's it
1: was it was it was really awesome. It was different. It was completely foreign and different from what I was used to. But it's you're having that much of an intimate connection with like each and every animal that's on your land is is cool. I mean, it's it's knowing exactly what's out there and then forming that pattern. And I remember like riding out there on the with you on the uh, on the side by side and just picking up trail cams and looking at everything and just kind of making a game plan from there. It's just it's like yeah, wow, this is cool. We know exactly kind of what's out here mm-hmm. and what to expect, so we can we can kind of make a game plan and go from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And that first trip, I definitely spoiled you. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure first day you were there um we got you a nice uh i think that buck was five and a half six and a half years old something like that you Did great it um, was awesome tell us about that first experience uh you know ele- elevated blind food plot uh tell us from from your perspective
1: oh man it was it was a great hunt it was perfect because we went out that there that morning and things were still kind of slow we saw um some smaller bucks and deer moving around which is still great we just got to sit there and watch and uh and then uh, made a plan for that evening, went back to the same spot, and things were, were starting to pick up. And you can see a lot of deer movement. We had some does starting to come
0: out. And... Uh, we're getting a lot of static. Just... <laughs> just... There we go. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, just continue.
1: Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I mean, it, you couldn't write it better. It was the last light of uh, opening day. Uh, the buck we'd been targeting steps out, nice mature deer, and, and you know we, we got to film the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I checked in with you and make sure that's the one that you that we uh, were targeting, the one we wanted, and uh, gave a perfect broadside shot and we put him down. And it was it was just great. It was I mean it was like it was scripted. It was exactly <laughs> like what we, I'd seen in the shows growing up. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm getting spoiled out here. This is crazy.
0: Yeah. I gave you a much better pack out with uh, your buck than you gave me with the buck you shot in Idaho, too. I don't know. I think yours is a lot more memorable. <laughs> Maybe so. But I'm, <laughs> I'm saying the buck you killed in Oklahoma, we drove up to it and threw it in the back. Exactly. Uh, that yeah. buck you killed at last light in Idaho that time that we had to drag two miles uh, in the dark. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a that true was Idaho a lovely... story. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. Then, then being in an absolute... Uh, rainstorm that whole night afterwards. Oh yeah. That's I didn't right. I did it was a thunderstorm. I didn't know if we were gonna make it through the
0: night. Yeah, I forgot that was probably the worst storm I ever saw in Idaho and we were both in tents. <laughs> <laughs> so uh man. Um so uh and then you came down a, a second time and you brought your dad and one of his best friends that was kind of a, a hunting mentor to you. Yeah. Um And so, uh, man, that was a a fun trip, uh, definitely. Um, talk about, uh, bringing your dad and his buddy. Um, you know, so you had been down, you had killed a deer. Uh, what were you telling them to expect? Cause it was more you conveying it to them than it was me. So
1: yeah. So growing up, my dad and his, his buddy Mike, um, they were the ones that kind of get me into hunting and take me out. Um, early on and were there for you know my first deer all that um so they uh I wanted to do something special for my dad's retirement that came up and I wanted to take him and Mike out and kind of show them what Oklahoma was all about and kind of an appreciation for getting me into the sport that I'm so addicted to so yeah they were they were super excited to come out and had so many questions and and you know we, I wanted to get them tags for whitetail and if we had time do some hog hunting maybe some duck hunting Um, and they were excited about the whole thing. Mm
0: -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think one of the first things I told them when they got here was that one, they were probably going to see some hogs, you know, they were obviously welcome to shoot them, but I told them because, you know, when you came down, it was just me and you. So I was with you all the time. Uh, but when they were here, you know, I obviously couldn't hunt with all three of you at the same time. And so I told them if they did shoot a hog to please, stay in the blind uh and you know wait till I got there just because they you know we had no experience and uh we put everybody out for the first evening and sure enough your dad got a hog and and uh so I yeah uh, we just had one ATV and so I think I picked you up first or I might have been with you um and then we picked Mike up and we go to pick your dad up and we were like where's your hog he's like oh it's <laughs> over there and we, and we see tracks where he had walked over to it and come back he couldn't help himself oh yeah definitely couldn't <laughs> help him. Mm-hmm.
1: It was so funny yeah. funny talking to them both of them i mean they'd grown up white for a long time which i still love and that was what gets me more excited than anything coming down to oklahoma it's those big bucks down there but they were both so so excited about these hogs this mm-hmm. idea that the that they could you know just even see these things so yeah when he he shot that hog I, he was like a kid in a candy store he couldn't help himself he <laughs> I'm sure it was we told him you know not to get out of the blind but i'm sure he was there for all of two minutes before he could couldn't take it anymore and went out there and had to go poke the thing or something
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and uh i know they both shot a hog I, I can't remember if you shot a hog or not no i didn't and, and then uh mike shot a really nice deer um i just took him down uh to our our hay bottom and we had planted it all in uh, in oats, and so he it, it was kind of a mixture between Oklahoma and Idaho. I, I gave him a camping chair, and he just sat back against a tree, watching this little oats, and ended up shooting a really nice buck. I think he ended up scoring like a I think it was right at one hundred and fifty. Um, yeah, so just was, a
1: bunch of junk everywhere too. It was yeah, beautiful deer. Yeah, and what. One that wasn't on your radar, was it?
0: Yeah, I kept telling, you know, he was like, he was almost worried because he was afraid he was going to shoot a buck I didn't want him to shoot. And I told him that that was the best buck he could have possibly shot because it was an old mature deer that I had no idea that existed. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, so it it worked out great. And then, uh, boy, you tagged a good one, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, I'd love to talk (laughs) about that.
0: I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. So yeah. I'll, I'll tell this story. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, and so Jasper was hunting by himself, and I uh, – and he, he had kind of told me that, uh, you know, he, he really wanted his dad and, and Mike to have the good hunting, you know, if he got one, sweet, but wasn't too concerned about it. And uh, so I set him up in a blind that I thought he could uh, – there was a management deer type thing that I thought he might could shoot, and uh, – there was one buck that I—it was the buck that I was after—and I, I wouldn't say I was going to be upset if they killed it, but you know, it's—it's it's the one I was chasing, and it was kind of the only good deer I had that year. Um, and it was a big nine point, uh, five on one side, four on the other, and—and uh, and it had shown up at the blind that Jasper was going to be at, but it—it—it it, it just shown up like one time, like two weeks before or something. Um. But anyway, so he's hunting and I hear a shot, and uh, he texts me, "Got a monster," and I'm like, "Oh man, I don't know if a monster." Well, I, no. Oh, you said a ten point. You said I shot a big ten point. And so immediately I'm like, "Man, there's not many big ten points around." I was like, "I bet that nine, you know, my big nine came out," and he just saw the five side, and you know, that's why he's calling it a ten point. But I bet he shot my big nine, and so I, I go and pick you up. And, uh, and we didn't, we couldn't find any blood and, uh, none of us had flashlights. So we actually went back to the house, got some flashlights. And of course I was kind of starting to sweat now cause you were describing it. And I, <laughs> I looked up some trail camera photos of it, of this big, you know, 150 inch nine point, And I showed it to you and you're like, yep, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, so we drive, uh, drive back to where he was hunting and, uh, Mike ended up just finding him. Uh, yeah, he his just body. wandered off. Yeah. the way
1: he off, and yeah, we're, but, we're ready to give up. Yeah, we, we weren't finding blood. There was mm-hmm. nothing. No,
0: yeah, we and couldn't was, find any blood.
1: I was shooting your six five Creedmoor, and that was my first mm-hmm. time ever shooting a six five Creedmoor. Was that yeah. one shot? And, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to think. I was like, man, I felt really good about the shot. I don't think there's any way I missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was starting to wonder, and then Mike's like, "Hey, your deer's over here." <laughs> Just as we're about ready to call it and pack out of there so we're not mm-hmm. waving our scent everywhere.
0: Yep. And, uh, man, it was a whopping about 90 inch, uh, eight point okay. four by four. <laughs> he was at least a hundred. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think we, I you know what? I think I measured him out at 111. Uh, and so, you know, not terrible, but, uh, definitely not I'm, the, uh, the whopping 10 point you were describing.
1: I remember seeing him and going, Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After but... I got this like long lecture to <laughs> my dad like, about you know how we're, we're on a management process here mm-hmm. and we don't want to, you know, we're 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 striving for that uh-huh. upper age class deer, you know, yeah. four and a half to or more and <laughs> <laughs> going on about this. Yeah. So from my perspective, what happened was though, I had a like a little forkhorn come in that, that evening and I was just watching him and you know, watching him eat and, and really enjoying that. And then right about last light this guy pops out and compared to him I was like oh my gosh it's a monster he's coming right for me and I got super excited Mm -hmm. and uh, I did have kind of an obscured view through the tree and it right at about last light and I was like okay I looked at us I "I got three minutes left if he steps out here I'm gonna I'm gonna take him and he did right at the last minute Mm -hmm kind of kicking myself for shooting that one but (laughs) it was fun in my book in in my book he's still a trophy
0: right right and you know it's all about that perspective we were talking about like for you you know just sitting there and having that deer come out to you you know whereas that's normal for us Oklahomans that is pretty foreign to you right yeah and and also just like you know you're not used to seeing a lot of big deer and I don't mean that in offensive way. It's just kind of the differences in the areas and the type of hunting stuff. You know, you're not, you haven't seen a lot of big deer.
1: Right. Especially with Idaho, with the majority of what I'm doing is just, you know, public land over the counter tag, mm-hmm. heavy pressure, um, finding the upper age class deer. Sometimes it's just frankly unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, We grew up, we are meat hunters for sure. So,
0: and I was about to say, that's what I was thinking of, like, you know, a lot of people call themselves a meat hunter, but I can truly say this about you, like, I have never met such a pure meat hunter as you. You are very much, if it's legal, it's down. I'll wear that as a badge of honor. That's right, that's right. Uh, Actually, in fact, I think it might have been the very first day we ever hunted together, um, it, we were rifle hunting for elk this time, and so uh elk and deer uh overlap, so we both had tags for both and uh we were following
1: shooting a forkhorn yeah,
0: yeah yeah, uh we were following a bugling elk um a tiny little white tailed doe got in between us and the bull and spooked him we're and- still upset about that <laughs> oh we're so upset um. Uh, But we, you know, we're we're trying to trail this herd of elk, this bull that we hear bugling, and up pop these two little mule deer, uh, just little bitty four-corn, you know, yearling four-corns. And to me, I'm like, oh, like, that's kind of cool, you know, some deer, some mule deer. (laughs) And I look over at you, and your gun is up, and you're like, you're getting ready. (laughs) And uh, I was like, what are you doing? You're like, dude, we can both get antlers, opening day. And I was like... that you're like yeah yeah come on. i was like i'm not shooting that <laughs> and, uh, couldn't
1: talk him into it. i
0: couldn't uh, talk him into it yeah and looking at my college career looking back like i should have shot that thing because I, <laughs> I to this day i still don't have a mule deer buck and
1: uh, <laughs> there you, see i was trying to i was thinking of you man uh-huh one of the best for you you could have had that thing shoulder mounted on your wall right I
0: now i know <laughs> and uh <laughs> didn't you go back and kill those deer with uh your uncle or a buddy or something
1: yeah, yeah. Again, that was my mic with Mike and my dad, oh, and oh, nice. uh, we were, yeah. It was a hellacious pack out.
0: Yeah, I bet that they were way back in there.
1: I, I remember thinking about that about halfway through that pack. I was like, "Man, John was right."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'll take that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, you wanna? We have a little time here left. Uh, you wanna talk about hogs for just a minute? Sure, uh you know, I tell people uh you know both ways, like I tell people when I leave Oklahoma or you know the South where they have a bunch of hogs that you know hogs are awesome, and then when I'm home, when I talk about people like from you know my Idaho buddies or wherever, like they don't believe me that you guys think hogs are so cool, <laughs> um, and so talk about just the different like how different it is and what it was like coming down to hunt hogs for the first time.
1: Uh, yeah. Coming down to hunt hogs for the first time was I had no idea what to expect. It was completely foreign. It's like, basically what I knew was like, yeah, you want to hunt them with a bow, go for it. year-round. You want to shoot them with a rifle, do it. You want to use dynamite. You want to use a <laughs> rocket launcher whatever, just get rid of these pigs. And that just seemed crazy to me. Just, that It seemed like kind of a sportsman's paradise, like, yeah, you can hunt these things year-round, you can do whatever you want, and it, so I was like, okay, yeah, let's go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, because uh, the first group of guys I ever brought down, you were by far the most experienced hunting-wise, and uh, we get out there and, uh, you know, start messing around and, and shooting stuff and you're like so it's it's like open season right and i was like <laughs> yes was like you couldn't get it through your head but yeah that you can just I go shoot like these understanding
1: things. that that you can just start just just shoot them just do whatever mm-hmm. you can be out there spotlighting them that's mm-hmm. that seemed like that was like a huge no-no it was like mm-hmm. what we could we could be in a truck spotlighting for mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. that was that was bizarre to me
0: yeah And then also just, like, the no-limit thing was a a big one for you because, you know, even just, like, backing up to deer again, you know. In Oklahoma, like, archery hunters can shoot six deer a year. Um, And in Idaho, you know, you get one tag, and you might be able to get, like, a a second draw tag. You know, you might be able to draw an additional doe tag or something. So, like, just even just shooting more than one.
1: You used to be able to take two bucks up north, and it used to be you could buy the leftover – out-of-state tags but you'd have to pay the out-of-state price but those are gobbled up so fast anymore that that's not really feasible but yeah usually with is it's just one and done and and that's your that's your season and that's what i was used to so t- like coming down there and telling me oh yeah you got what two buck tags and three doe mm-hmm. tags or you know whatever <laughs> it is it's just kind of crazy
0: mm-hmm yep Um, and then I'm trying to think of the the first on that, that drive hog we talked about earlier, that was kind of a group of you guys. So like y'all all kind of killed it as a group. Nobody really claimed it. I'm trying I think the first one you killed by yourself, I think you and your wife had come down before y'all were married, uh, for spring break. Um, and I, I remember right, we shot a big one at my grandpa's place. Um, what was it like walking up, uh, on just a wild hog, like something you've never really even seen before.
1: Well, I guess the second time around it, it I guess it felt more real. It was, it was that, that first time, like putting your hand, your hands on that animal for the first time. was it was pretty wild. I mean, just seeing kind of what they are up close and, and just, just kind of learning what that animal's about. And, and, you know, you come to terms with Oh, this is an actual real thing on the ground. This isn't some imaginary. I, I didn't dream this. This is a, <laughs> here's a hog. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy,
0: yeah, and again, you know, this probably sounds weird to a lot of my listeners, just like that have grown up hunting hogs, killed a bunch of them, but um, uh, but you know, there's probably a bunch of people listening too that are in your shoes and have you know maybe done it a few times or never done it, and dreamed of doing it, and you know that's part of the reason I did that episode last week was for you know everybody um. And uh, so, yeah, um, well, we've been rambling here for quite a while. Um, any closing thoughts? We we covered Idaho. We covered Oklahoma. We covered hogs. Anything else you got?
1: Um, I just kind of want to think a little bit about uh, uh, public land options there in Oklahoma because I think there's more than I thought there was. There just is. Do you want to kind of go into that a little bit?
0: Uh, yeah, so – Um, I've been learning about this just the last couple years. Um, even around me, there's, you know, way more than I, than I thought. Um, a lot of the pieces, and I'm kind of speaking more specifically to the southeastern region just because that's where I live and hunt the most. Um, but I think it's, it's pretty true for most of the state. A lot of your big chunks of public land are going to be around lakes. And so, you know, the state or whatever entity buys up all the land where they're gonna build, you know, basically all of our li- all of our lakes are homemade or man made. <laughs> homemade. Man made. Um and so, you know, the state or whoever goes up, buys up a whole bunch of land, uh, builds the lake, and then that they always, you know, build or buy a little extra basically for a floodplain or, you know, if water gets up real high. And so a lot of the public land around here is that area around the lake, that extra land they bought up. Um, there are different places, you know, there's, um, I can think of one place where, you know, uh, uh, older gentleman passed away and left his place, um, to the state. Um, obviously the state has bought up ground for itself. um, and so there, you know, I, I think I saw somewhere just a few days ago that six percent of the state is public land, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, you know, especially up to I, I think I think Idaho has like the second or third highest per square mile of public land. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think Nevada ranks number one, Alaska two, and Idaho three. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, roughly the order. Um, So, yeah, Oklahoma's on the other end of that, Uh, but it's definitely out there, you know, and so, like I said, Onyx is a great tool. Um, I've done a lot of fishing around uh, just the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife's website. A lot of those big areas, especially, are listed on there. Um, If you do some digging, you can find some of those smaller ones, too. Uh, So it's definitely doable, and, you know, definitely the trend is you have people from the east coming west to hunt, Uh, but you know, if there's any of those Western hunters listening and maybe they've dreamed of a big, nice, uh, whitetail, there's definitely opportunity to come on down. And, uh, it overall, I gotta say it's a whole lot simpler and a whole lot cheaper too, for people to come from the West to the East. Uh, you know, I didn't talk about that, uh, earlier, but man, the game units, uh, that blew my mind trying to figure out. And they're different for deer and elk, and so I couldn't just say I want to hunt this area. What do I need? Like you had to figure out what unit was um, for elk. They group units together, um, and they do that for deer sometimes too. So yeah, like that was a very daunting thing for me going west. Um, that is not near as daunting for you guys coming east. Oh, there you go.
1: I was just <laughs> I was just pointing out that it, it's really great too that if I remember right, it's really streamlined online with Oklahoma. You can buy. And print out your tags right from their website.
0: Yep, yep. And, which is uh, great. Yeah, no draw process or anything. Y'all usually don't buy them until you get here. Um, right. And I, you know, I, that way I can kind of help y'all walk through and make sure you get all the right stuff. Um, and another simple thing they do, especially for deer hunting, deer hunting specifically, is they have a deer license, and all you have to do is buy that one thing, and that uh, for out-of-state hunters, that covers your license and tags and everything. So it's just one nice little package that they have set up for you.
1: Right. So, and circling back to hogs, I, one thing I wanted to ask you of just, and this is just like from your own opinion and experience down there, um, how receptive are like landowners down there if you just want to come down and shoot a hog? Like how how receptive would landowners be to that to a stranger coming in out of state, saying just asking for permission?
0: I think it's going to vary by area, but I think if you knock on enough doors, I think it would be de- decently e- easy. Um, my tip would be don't come during deer season. Definitely, I think you're going <laughs> to get a lot more no's. Um, but you know, if you come down spring uh, when it's starting to warm up, green up a little bit. Before it gets nice and hot, um, I think if you knocked on enough doors, you could definitely get some permission. Um, so, yeah, you know I've, that's something I've never thought of doing. It that other, you know, I've thought about going other places and deer hunting. I've never thought about people trying to come here and hog hunt like, again. It's just sure. we're so used to it; it's something we don't think about. But yeah, that's that's a great question. So, yeah, yeah, and again, super easy, super cheap. Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, I really like that question. Thank you, thank you for asking that. Yeah, you got it. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we managed to get this get through this without me being too embarrassed. You might be a little embarrassed. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, I really re- appreciate you coming on. Um, man, the time change works out nice for you because uh, it's getting late for me, but it's still nice and early for you. So I hope you uh, enjoy your night, and thanks for coming on.
1: Same to you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: And that? is that. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I know it was a little long-winded and a little random, but we had a great time recording it, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. That is going to do it for this week. Uh, Man, I can't wait to get the boat out on the water. Not sure when I'm going to get to do it, but I'm very excited for that, and I will keep you guys updated with all the Fishing tips and tactics that I learned and most likely the hard knocks that I learned. Uh, I've really not done a lot of lake fishing. A lot of my fishing has been in ponds and, and uh, you know, confined spaces. So I'm excited to get out there in the open water. I can't wait to get to Lake Texoma and do some striper fishing. That's my goal. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's definitely definitely on the list so all right man uh, i hope you guys have a great one a great week enjoy yourselves and get out there and enjoy the wonders of oklahoma see you guys next week